Welcome to Didache, where we are studying to show ourselves approved, rightly dividing the word of truth so we can worship God in spirit and truth, deepening our knowledge of God, thereby enabling us to deepen our love for God. Here is your host, Justin Peters. Welcome to the program, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Justin Peters. I hope that this finds you and your family doing well today. I want to thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. Many of you saw the video that I did a few days ago on the controversy regarding Alistair Begg's advice that a Christian could attend a homosexual slash trans wedding. And that has caused quite a bit of controversy, as you know. I did a video on that. If you have not seen it, I encourage you to please do watch that. But uh, since that video was posted a few days ago, uh, Alistair has preached a sermon in which he addressed the controversy. And unfortunately, he not only doubled, but in fact tripled down on his position. He says that he has nothing to repent of. Uh, He remains entrenched in this. And he preached this sermon this past Sunday night. And uh, it... I certainly have my thoughts, uh, but I wanted to get the input from a pastor friend of mine named Dan Phillips. I've interviewed him on this channel before. Uh, He's become a good friend of mine over the past several years, really good guy, and he's been a pastor for many, many years. And so I wanted to get uh, his pastoral perspective on Alistair Begg's sermon. And so that is following. Here we go. Well, Dan, uh, thank you so much for joining me, brother. It's an honor to have you back on the program. It's a pleasure. I'm glad to be with you again, Justin. Yes. Well, I, I wish it was under um, happier circumstances um, that that would bring us together again on my YouTube channel. But, Dan, I wanted to I wanted to ask you about the sermon that Alistair Begg did as of this recording this past Sunday night, whatever that was, January 29th or something, 28th or 29th. And um, he was responding to the all of the controversy about the advice that he gave to this grandmother who has a granddaughter who apparently is trans. So I'm assuming a, a girl who's pretending to be a man and she's marrying someone, I would assume another woman, but I don't know exactly how that works. So <laughs> it gets confusing. It gets confusing. So anyway, a homosexual trans wedding, and he gave her the advice to uh, go to the wedding, a Christian grandmother, go to the wedding and even give a gift. As long as she understands that you disagree with it and you don't agree with this marriage, you don't agree with her lifestyle, uh, you can still go show her love, go to the wedding and even give a gift. And so that caused quite a bit of controversy, and and Alistair Begg uh, responded to it in earnest uh, yeah. this past Sunday night in a, in a sermon. So uh, you and I both watched that sermon, and I wanted to get your thoughts as a pastor. Um, just tell us a little bit, what were your <clears throat> some of your takeaways from that sermon Sunday night? Well... The first thing I want to say in framing this is a lot of your subjects, the people who you talk about in your ministry, they're, they're conduits of sewage uh, in their ministry and their teaching. There's, there's just a flow of garbage and worse, and maybe occasionally here and there a pearl. Alistair right. Begg is just the opposite of that. He's just the opposite right. of that. He's had decades 
of faithful ministry and on a wide variety of topics. I mean, the only thing I think I've heard him say that makes me cringe was uh, his amillennialism. But, uh, I mean, uh, you've seen the clip from the sermon or maybe the whole sermon where he talks about the man on the middle cross said I could come. It's one of my favorite three minutes of preaching. Yeah. I can't watch that without being moved to tears. I mean, I've said that if I had preached that, I would feel, and and only that, I would feel like I'd had a good preaching ministry because yeah. that that is golden, and that's not his only. I think he's a good guy, and and the first thing I thought about this, and the and the, and then having reviewed it and thought about it and listened to the sermon twice, the thing I still think most about it is that he illustrates the peril a man is in when he becomes a celebrity pastor. We often think of the the sheep side of it and the influence side of it, but the man himself, I mean, in the course of this sermon, he basically says, I don't know what the fuss is about. And he responds to nothing that the concerned, loving brothers and sisters have said about it, impugns to them motives that, I mean, if they had that motives, I'd be on his side. If I had that motive, I'd, I'd repent. Yes. But as far as I know, none of them has the moments, the, the motives that he imputes to them. And right. he, he is apparently surrounded by people who shield him from hearing these things. And that's a dangerous, dangerous place to be in. And so um, I think when, when he said uh, first came to light the, uh, from the interview about his book, um, Christian Manifesto, and he, he just said on that interview, the advice they'd given his grandmother, and a number of people saw that and went, what? Um, and, and I was one of those. In fact, uh, we're going through the book of Romans in our men's fellowship class. And I played that for the guys and discussed it with them. And I basically said, he's a really good guy. That is terrible advice. Yeah. Everybody has a bad day, you know, and I said, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna cancel him. I'm not gonna throw him out or tell you not to listen to him because he gave this terrible advice, but it's terrible advice. Mm-hmm. Well, and then he comes up with this sermon, and I, I did a little poll um, in my Twitter account just to see, asking people which was more grievous, his initial advice to the grandmother or his defense of that advice, and about mm-hmm. 88% said it was the defense, and yeah. and that's exactly true. Now, in, in in his case, what he needed to do was he needed to see the kind of quality of the people who were bringing this to his attention and he needed to at least say you know i still think i gave the right advice but the sort of people who are bringing concerns to me and the nature of their concerns i just want to make sure and i'm going to take some time to think about this and humble myself and make sure i'm not missing something and i don't want to just fire from the hip defensively and spray bullets around at my enemies and defend my position. I, I want to think it through because I know all the proverbs that say that a wise man loves reproof. A wise man listens to reproof. Faithful are the wounds of a friend and, yep. and, uh, and so forth. So I don't want to be that guy who like Proverbs 12, one says hates reproof and is stupid. I don't want to be that guy. Yep. I, want to, I just get to take some time and I'll get back to you. Now, if he'd said that, I would have totally believed him. And I, I would have said, good, you do that. Uh-huh. It wouldn't have been like Brian McLaren saying, well, we need a, what do you say, five-year moratorium to figure out homosexuality. We yeah, know yeah. where Alistair Begg stands on homosexuality. He's taught and taught clearly on it mm-hmm. um, that I've seen. So I wish he had done that, but instead what he seems to have done as is just, I don't know, see the edges of this or been told of the edges of it and respond with um, defensiveness 
and just absolutely tone deaf. I, I mean, uh, I saw he'd done a response, and I thought, okay, I hope this is good. And I saw the title, and just as soon as I saw the title, I thought, Oh, no, no, this is this is not going to go in the right direction, is it? Yep. And yep. and yep. just as I listened, the worse it got. But um, and he he says just to stay with my my opening thought. He says, well, he says I, I don't know what the fuss is about, and he says you know, and basically I'm I'm British, but he says he's been here forty years, mm-hmm. but he still says, well, I don't understand, you know, what everybody's so upset about, and um, so which is saying that. He doesn't know the people he's serving. He served them for right. 40 years, but he hasn't, and he still doesn't think of himself as one of them. He thinks of himself as still being uh, a product of, he names uh, Lloyd Jones and Stott. And, you know, yeah. would Lloyd Jones tell someone to go to a homosexual wedding? That's Not hard to think. Yeah. But, no. but regardless, um, you know, it, it, he's he's saying that, and I'm sure he's not hearing it, but he's saying, I'm not really with the people I'm serving. I don't really know the people I'm serving. And that is the whole thing about being a celebrity pastor. You serve people you don't even know. If one mm-hmm. of them's missing, you don't know he's missing. If one of them falls in the sin, you don't know that unless somebody tells somebody who tells somebody who tells somebody who tells you. Yeah. And so in this case, he just, he, he sounds like a good man who has allowed himself to be put in a bubble isolated. He says his family and friends are shielding him from everything except praise and thanks and commendation Mm -hmm. of what he said. But, um, but that, that is hazardous for the person. And so it, it it produced a sermon that was just, I mean, it was, well, it was sad. I mean, he, the way he characterizes his critics and the criticism. um, Yeah. And I I just want to say that if it were true that um, there were a, a person coming into a church I served who was a repentant homosexual or a repentant trans person who's coming to Christ and was wanting to, to walk the way of Christ. And if the people in the church I served were to um, repel that person or recoil from that person or treat them like they were diseased or something, I'd come down on them like a, like a rain of rocks, like a rain mm-hmm. of boulders. Sure. And that is not grace, and that's not compassion. Sure. We all come to. There's nobody who walks through the doors of of this church or any church that isn't a redeemed sinner. Absolutely. And uh, and this side of glory, that's all we're ever going to be. We're going to be redeemed sinners, paid for by the blood of Christ alone. And so, yeah, compassion for the repentant. But he gets into the parable of the prodigal son, and applies mm-hmm. that to this situation. And it just this granddaughter is not running back. Pleading yeah. for mercy. She's not running back asking no. for grace and forgiveness. She's celebrating her sin. And uh, I don't know, do you want me to pause? I, I don't want to just dominate, but I, no. it, 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 given that there is no such thing as a marriage of two men or a marriage of two women, so, so take that away. Then what is this occasion that the grandmother is being asked to go to? It is just a celebration of perversion, mm-hmm. and it's just a celebration of two people promising each other they, that they will never repent of the sin that will send them to hell. Yeah. Now, how can a Christian go to that with a nice little gift in your, in your lap with the best will in the world, communicate anything other than approval of this, of this abomination. I mean, if she was being installed as the high priestess of the church of Satan, would, would you go to that to keep your relationship alive? And I, I know, you know, there've been a hundred analogies brought up that everybody'd mm-hmm. say, no, you wouldn't go to that. Right. Uh, this isn't different from that. 
No, it's not. And, and, you know, you carry this logic out to its conclusion, then you might also wonder, okay, so after these two people get quote unquote married, and then they decide to adopt a child. Do some child trafficking. Yeah. I mean, do you, do you, do you throw a a, celebrate the child trafficking? Yeah. Do you give a gift in honor of that? I mean, yeah. Right. Poor child. I know it's horrible. I mean, you don't, you wouldn't honor a, a child being raised in a house of sexual deviancy. I mean, it's now, but now this brings us to one of the, one of the sad ironies of his defense. He, he says that, you know, all us uh, slope headed, knuckle dragging redneck Americans, you know, we just don't understand nuance and uh-huh. we can't put together two plus two and equal four. We just, we just, you know, these concepts are above us. And then he paints a situation where there are only two options. Right. The, the only the, the only option is totally to dishonor and alienate this woman with hostility, this granddaughter with hostility, or communicate approval of what she's doing, and that's okay because you've said you don't approve, but then go ahead and show your approval by being there. And those are your only two options. Right. Now, that's not nuance. <laughs> that, yeah. that is not nuance. That's binary thinking. Yes. Uh, there is, for instance, the other option of saying what she says she said to her granddaughter that this is a sin and that this is not a valid thing you're doing and to go on to say but i want you to know that i love you and i care for you and i would do anything for your good i would do that now i would do it the next day i would do it anytime anything that would that would point you to the lord jesus christ would help you towards him or that would show love to you i'm i will do that but i can't Mm -hmm. celebrate the thing that's going to send you to hell if you don't repent of it yeah oh look that's a third option but isn't, right. isn't that nuanced? But there's no room for that in his in his yeah. mock-up of the situation. Right. Yeah, I know. Uh, Dan, let me ask you this. What about his use of Luke 15? You touched on it just a minute ago. You know, he started by talking about the, the one lost sheep and then the woman with the 10 coins. But most of the time he spent on the prodigal. Um, is talk to us a little bit about that, about the use of of those texts and his um, interpretation application. Was that valid? Oh no, it, it wasn't. It wasn't valid at all, and it was very, very sad. And it was almost you, like you, you kind of wish you'd said, "Okay, uh, talk about wonderful Luke fifteen for a while." And what a wonderful picture it paints of the God who loves sinners and loves repentant sinners and goes searching for the lost. And then if he just said, now I want to talk about something totally unrelated to that, and then talked about his advice, I would have felt a whole lot better. But but the situation he's talking about, there's no prodigal son running home saying, I've sinned against heaven and against you, and mm-hmm. I'm not worthy to be called. He, he, she's not coming to her grandmother saying, I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm not worthy to be called your granddaughter. Just, you know, if you could even treat me like a neighborhood friend, I'd appreciate that. And whereupon I'm sure the grandmother would, would herself run to greet her and show her grace and mercy. But this is not that situation. This is this is more like the prodigal son saying, hey, you know what? The pigs and I are throwing a little soiree, and would, I would love if you'd come bring some corn husks and some slop and get down in the grime and join us together. If you just wallow around in the mud, and and, and I'm, I'm going to ask some of my favorite prostitutes and um, and engage their uh, businesses, and, and uh, you know, we'd just love if you'd come join that. 
but that of course is not what the parable is about. You bring little bring little red bow ties to put around the pigs or something to make them look pretty. Right. And uh, but, but this is not that. And that's not the point at which the father runs to the son. The father runs to the son when he's coming in in repentance. And yeah, he doesn't make him come the whole distance. The distance he comes and meets him. And then you talk about the the older brother. I mean, yeah, sure, talk about that. And and if you want to. Liken that to people who, when a homosexual or any other kind of sinner repents, does not embrace that person, is not rejoicing for that person. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. That's a good application of that. But there's nobody in this scenario who is advocating lack of love, lack of care, lack of concern for the person. But now here's, here's the thing. The, the, like, the Matthew Vines, I think, was one who said he was really happy with, uh, yes. with Alistair Begg's stance yes. and it just was such a great thing. Okay, dear friends, I want to interrupt here and tell you who Matthew Vines is. Matthew Vines is a homosexual pastor. He is author of God and the Gay Christian, and he has been kind of the tip of the spear, uh, in, in trying to make a case. He fails miserably, but he tries to make a case that orthodox Christianity, and by that I mean uh, you adhere to the basic tenets of historical Christianity, the authority of Scripture, the deity and exclusivity of Christ, those things, that orthodox Christianity and homosexuality are compatible, that you can be a gay Christian. Uh, Matthew Vines put this tweet up a few years ago, back in 2017. He says, uh, Oh, I guess it was Facebook. But anyway, he said, this is a picture of Winston, a faithful supporter of the Reformation Project, his husband, and their new baby. So here you see two men with a baby. That is a tragic picture. That baby is going to grow up in a home of sexual deviancy. And so Matthew Vines is affirming this praising this. This is what he is about. And yet, here we see, right after Alistair Begg preached his sermon this past uh, this past Sunday, as of this recording, Matthew Vines comes out in praise of Alistair Begg. Says, Alistair Begg, a non-affirming pastor, recently encouraged a grandmother to attend her grandson's same-sex wedding as a way to show him Christ's love. I'm grateful that despite significant backlash, Begg has chosen to stand by his advice this week. Dear friends, this is Exhibit A on why Alistair Begg's advice was not just bad, it was sinful and dangerous. He's being praised by a homosexual pastor who thinks it's a wonderful thing for a baby, a child, to be raised in a homosexual home, a home of sexual deviancy, and be robbed of a mother and a father. Exhibit A on why this was so, so bad. And the whole thing, so so here's the whole thing about the, 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 the Kingdom of Man project. We're never going to get away with sin being wise or good. So the best we can do is to try to make it look like it is. And so for the grandmother to give a, a, a testimony and live it, that this is a this is a sin and abomination. It breaks my heart. You're doing this. And there's nothing I can celebrate in that, though. I love you dearly. Well, that doesn't, that doesn't make the sin look pretty. So she's got to go there and make the sin look pretty by, by her presence. So you see grandma has her thoughts, but really at bottom line, she accepts 
me for who I am, meaning as a homosexual. She accepts my homosexuality. She accepts my marriage. She accepts my, you know, right. the whole nine. And that a Christian, it's not a loving thing for a Christian to do, to side with a sinner against God. That's right. That's not love. That's not no, love. No, not for love God and, or for the person. Right. Love and truth are not at odds with one another. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's a false dichotomy. And you don't expect, you don't expect a gospel sound person like Alistair Beck to make that dichotomy. I know. I know that you you expect someone who's over the, over the rails to say, right. I've told people and talking with you and some of my other friends about this. This is a a comment I would expect from someone who's woke, someone who's like in the social justice wing of, of quote unquote Christianity, you know, someone who's, who's um, imbibed in those poisoned waters. Unfortunately, it was just a a real shock to hear it come from Alistair. Um, Let me ask you this. So, I have no doubt, and Alistair said that his motivation in giving this advice to the grand uh, grandmother uh, was to save the relationship with her granddaughter. I yeah. have no reason at all to doubt that. I'm I'm 100% confident that that was yeah. his motivation. But yeah. as I was listening to him, I couldn't help but be struck, Dan, by Matthew 10. I mean, Jesus' words in Matthew 10, I did not yeah. bring peace but a sword yeah. and to set father against son, mother against mm-hmm. daughter, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. And I thought mm-hmm. you know, sometimes granddaughters against grandmothers. I mean, this standing, right. this, this is not some, in other words, this is not something that should surprise us as Christians when, uh, when we stand on the truth that it, it might cost us familial relationships. Right. Right. And for a lot of us, it has done exactly that. Well, sure. part of part of the trouble was, and I, I thought this each time as I heard him say it, I was just trying, I just wanted to try to help save the relationship. I just wanted to help her not lose the relationship. And and I thought to myself, brother, that is not your job. That That is not your priority. Your priority is to serve God and to help somebody walk in the ways of God. And so the question is not what's going to save this relationship. The question is what's going to honor my relationship with God and my priorities. What does God say about this? Is God going to be there rejoicing at this abomination and this deliberate mockery of what he created, his precious creation and the, the picture of his son's union with the church? Mm-hmm. Um, no, I don't, I don't think, and I don't think Alistair Begg would think that either, um, not to speak for him. But, but and that, that also gets into another thing about celebrity pastors and megachurch pastors. He says he doesn't know this woman. So why is he giving her counsel? Yeah, yeah. That's I good. have people ask me advice, and and many people will tell you that pretty regularly. What they hear from me is, "Ask your pastor." Ask your pastor. Ask yeah, your pastor. <laughs> if they'll ask me some doctrinal issues or whatnot, okay. But if if they want counsel for what they should do with their life, I say, "Ask your pastor." And, and that's when if it comes up, well, I don't listen to. I don't, I don't have a local church. I just listen to you, and that's where you say, "Ah, that's wrong. That's sin. You need to repent of that, and you need to yeah. get yourself in a local church." Exactly. And and I, I'm not your pastor. You're, right. you're not attending the church. You're not the member of the church I serve. I'm not your pastor. So you need to That's right. get a church, get a pastor, and seek his counsel on this. Yeah. Oh, I wish I had a nickel for every email like that that I've answered. People email me a lot asking me about my opinion on this or that. Or, you know, and it's like, well, where do you go to church? Who's your pastor? Right. That's right. where you need to go to your elders. That's right. 
they're right. the ones tasked with uh, keeping keeping watch over your soul. So that's right. But we 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 are okay with the megachurch model of of somebody who gets up and talks but has no relationship with the people he's serving. And then and then of course there's a celebrity pastor who has that relationship with people all around the land. And you know we we have a live stream for people in our church who are unable physically unable to come mm-hmm. to church or just for anybody who wants to watch it sometime in addition to their own church. But we often make the point that that this is not your church. And as we're doing communion, don't be drinking coke and ritz crackers at home and and, you know you need to be in a church to be celebrating communion and you need to be part of a church and if you want to financially support us we'll praise the lord but make sure you support your church first yeah and and often ministries like that don't make that as clear as they should and they forget what it is to be a a pastor so here's a woman he has no relationship with and he's giving your counsel And, and so now 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 that that brings us to another thing if if i may um it it seems to obviously it it shocks him that so many people are upset. And a, a thing he said a couple of times is, "I was just trying to help a grandmother. I might give other advice to somebody else mm-hmm. at another time. Right. But this is the advice I gave her, and I just trying to help a grandmother, and everybody blows up. Well, yes, friend, you tried to help a grandmother in the hearing of tens of thousands of people yeah. across the globe." who follow your ministry. This exactly. is why you have all the nice conference invitations, why you have all the nice book deals, why you have all of the things that go with being a celebrity pastor. Part of that is that what you say gets amplified on pretty much a literally global scale. Yep. So you can't, you know, it wasn't just you and Granny sitting over a table at a Cracker Barrel having right. a chat about, about this little family thing. This was something that you chose to share with your tens of thousands of listeners. And so when you get some biblical pushback, it's not pleasant, it's not fun, nobody likes it, but a wise man listens to counsel, and he listens to reproof, and he counts those who who love him enough to tell him what he doesn't want to hear as being his choice friends. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I was struck by that as well. He he said in the podcast that this was just advice he was giving to one grandmother, but but you're telling it publicly. Right. and so, he, as you said, it goes it goes out all around the world, and and he's got an enormous platform, and with that comes enormous responsibility. He does, and and then you add to the fact that he's saying, "Well, I might give somebody else a different advice." So this is situation ethics. I, exactly. I was now, just, where you took the words out of my mouth. This is situational ethics, right? Right, right. So there there aren't uh, transcendent absolutes at stake here and he did say as much as that what what was the way that he phrased it he said something like um oh you got to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling which he Mm -hmm. was citing in in terms of you got to make your own decision which i i don't think that's what that verse means (laughs) but but i mean you may you're uh what is the uh your mileage may vary like the (laughs) (laughs) like the phrase is, but there aren't absolutes. Now, see, this is where if you would even look at some Twitter thread, somebody could explain my Twitter thread, yours. uh, And and here's a grievous thing. I've seen people who aren't as doctrinally sound as he, who at least get this right. Mm -hmm. You know, I could name a couple of names of people who uh, I probably agree with uh, Alistair Begg a whole lot more than them. But yeah, they at sure. least see this one clearly, and they see the principles involved in this. And he doesn't even get near those in his response about why I gave this advice. So it's situation ethics. It's just sort of, and 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 so so does that mean too that that he just? Uh, I guess now he wouldn't be a witness for the defense for poor Jack Phillips. 
Yeah. Who doesn't, who won't uh, bake cakes to celebrate homosexual, you know, gay mirage. Yes. And, saw, and yeah. for, mm-hmm. what's that woman's name who wouldn't do the, the flowers or the photography? It's I, a, it's a, yeah, I don't remember her name. Well, everybody watching There's us been, is shouting at it. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. But, but yeah, but I mean, all these people who have themselves paid yeah. dearly for the yes. fact that they will not honor this abominable situation. Right. And I guess he's over there saying, uh, no you big should deal. just bake the cake. Yeah, no yes. big deal. Just show that you love them. Don't break off the relationship. I guess right. you should. I mean, now he hasn't said this, and I'm not meaning to put words in his mouth. Maybe he'd say no. But I, I then I don't know how you would say, well, okay, the granny right. should go with a gift, but but Jack Phillips shouldn't make the cake, or this lady shouldn't uh, I yeah. go with the shimmy flowers or took yeah, pictures. Flores, uh, yeah, there's been several cases like that. Oh, so yeah, yeah. Several. Well, just of the ones we've heard of, and, but there are ones they, that people yeah. have gotten yeah. fired. They won't they, they've lost everything. They've they've lost everything for their stand. But they now they hear from Alistair, you know, someone who is in in our theological circles. Um, totally. No big deal. Yes, I know. And 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 there, I want to say too, that's another danger of being up on a pedestal, mm-hmm. is that you're not down in the trenches with the people who are actually bleeding and getting bruised but uh, no I, i'll say that they, they are at a different level and and i mean you know everything that happens to them happens very publicly and thank god you know when things like that happen to me fifty thousand people don't immediately immediately know it or when i when i slip or say something wrongly or or, or uh, unwisely fifty thousand people don't immediately hear it and <laughs> send me emails that, that's a whole different level but still uh, yes, you do feel like often they're they're not they they don't care about 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 these things uh, because they don't they don't experience them at the same level. Yeah, they're sheltered. Yeah, they're sheltered. That's, that's right. In that way, now, like I say, in yeah. other ways, they're they're exposed to pressures that we can only tremble at the thought of. But mm-hmm. but uh, that kind of that kind of visibility. Yeah. And I also have to say that insinuating that probably a lot of his critics are, hom- are closeted homosexuals, that was probably not helpful also. That that struck me, too. Um, I just happened to remember it was at the 20-minute mark because it was like such a... And it, brand, it branded itself on your mind? Yeah, it did. And, you know, you're, you're he, saying he said, what? Uh, I know. In fact, let's see if I have the... I have it up. Well, anyway, he basically said, be very careful of the... Uh, the 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 pastor the teacher that you're listening to because if he harps on something uh, habitually and he says especially immorality sexual immorality that is a thin smoke wonder what he's talking about Pharisees often complain loudly of sins they would be quite interested in committing themselves. Be very, very careful when you hear your pastor or your teacher, whoever it is, lambasting a certain area of life, especially in the realm of morality. Time and time again, you will discover that that loud protestation actually, sadly, tragically, proved to be a very thin smokescreen for what was actually going on in the hearts of these people. And I wonder like, what he's talking about, and I wonder who he's talking about. Kathy, what, Kathy and I were listening to that together. This, my wife, Kathy, were listening to that together at the same time, and she turned to me and she said, "So, uh, are you a are you a closet tranny?" Good question. Yeah, fair question. Apparently, I, I know. I mean, what you, just, what'd you tell her? 
just for interest sake. What'd you tell us? I, I said, not last time I checked. No. That's, and and just for the record, sure me either. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, I was mm-hmm. stunned at that. I was stunned at that, Dan. I mean, how, 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 how ungracious, how unkind. Um, yeah, I it's, just, it sounds I, desperate. All, that one sounds desperate. Desperate indeed. And related to that, Dan, I, we've kind of already covered in a sense, in a general sense, but specifically, he pulled out the often used and misused Pharisee card. I get so tired of the Pharisee card. So can you talk to us a little bit about that? Was was that a valid analogy that people like you, people like me, others? In fact, I would have to say almost, I haven't seen anybody in our theological circles actually defending the content of what Alistair Begg said. I don't think I've seen anybody offering a defense for the content of what he said. So the critics, are are we just a bunch of Pharisees? Um, probably not in this case, <laughs> maybe in other cases, but no, the, the, the parallel there is, is just not good. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I want to maybe broaden that just a little bit because what you often hear here and you see it in Twitter, and this is a case of like, tell me that you haven't even looked into this at all without telling me you haven't looked into this at all. Right. The sort of person who says, and you could sing it with me, Jesus dined with sinners Jesus dined with with tax, tax collectors. collectors. Yeah. That's that's absolutely true. But Jesus did not go to strip shows, that's right? So that he could have a relationship with the strippers. Right. He didn't go to to. There's no record, certainly, and and no. Uh, I mean, it, he he didn't go to uh, dens of iniquity to talk to people who are practicing that. Yeah, I, I'm very very grateful that Jesus dined with sinners because I'm one of them. But show me in any of these cases where these sinners continued in their sin. The the only uh, intersection we see between Jesus and people in their sin is them repenting of it, is them showing brokenness and showing that they are wanting to follow him and that that Zacchaeus will pay back all the people that he's Mm. ripped off and and so forth and so on. He doesn't go to people who, to to a Zacchaeus who's ripping people off and say, I just want you to know I love you and approve of you and and that, you know, I'm here for you anytime you want. I got your back. And and the prostitutes who are are looking up Johns and saying, well, I love you and accept you just, this is this is ridiculous. It's an abominable thought. Yes, he does. He does get with repentant homosexuals and homo- and sinners of all sorts. Which mm-hmm. great news for you and me, because that's just what we are on our best day. This side of glory, yeah. we are repentant sinners. We're redeemed sinners. So the Pharisees were were they they didn't think that he should have anything to do with those people. Period. That that he shouldn't um, talk to a woman because that was just their sin. But there's no, but here's the difference. Breaking news, there's nothing sinful about being a woman. (laughs) So Jesus talking to a woman is not the same thing as going to a celebration of a non-marriage mix of two two sexually perverted people promising never to repent and to go to hell together. That's right. These are not, you know, one of these things is not like the other. So you, you, you can't say yes. You... Uh, uh, disapproving of approving gay mirage 
is exactly like Pharisees saying Jesus shouldn't talk to women. Yeah, it's exactly like that, except in every way. Except it's, in it's, every it's, way. it's nothing like that. And also with, with people who are in the process of, of repenting of any other sin. Jesus was with them. There is no sign that he was making them, and no indication that he was making them feel good about their sin. I mean, he didn't even necessarily have to bring something up. Think of, of Peter, where Jesus tells him to launch off uh to, and to catch some fish uh, at the beginning of his ministry. And Peter does that. And what does he do? He falls on his knees and says, depart from me, O Lord, for I'm a sinful man. He doesn't say, yes. I just want to thank you for making me feel better about my sin. And I, I just, you know, how wonderful it is to go forth knowing that no matter what I do out of hatred of God, you've got my back and you're there approving of me. And And that is the situation here. It is not that difficult to grasp or to express the situation is, this is a ceremony. It can't be a marriage because there's no such thing as homosexual marriage. Nope. So all there is, is a celebration of two people's commitment to engage in perverse sex and never repent and That's go to right. hell. And there's nothing there for a Christian to celebrate. Amen. Are there two people there for a Christian to love? Absolutely. But yeah. not to approve of their sin. That, that is not loving. And, and to sit there, uh, to sit there, be a part of that, and sit in silence. I don't know if you saw with that. a gift in your lap, with a gift in your lap, and I don't care what the gift is. In his sermon, he kind of hinted like in the sermon he said it was a Bible. He didn't Bible. say that initially. Yeah, but he didn't say that initially, so that that's uh, that's uh, unclear at best. Well, I hope it was a MacArthur Study Bible because. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Yes, same. But no, I, I, I'm sorry. I shouldn't laugh about it. I shouldn't that, laugh about it. I, no, I really shouldn't. I apologize. It, no, it's okay. I mean, sometimes you just, it's it's so. Um... And since you mentioned the point about Pharisees, something that's occurred to me about this is that, that verse in John 7, uh, where the Pharisees say, this crowd who does not know the law is accursed. I mean, this is the Am Haaretz. They just dismiss the, the rabble. Now, there's the Pharisee spirit that looks down on, on the commoner. And I think it might be valid to see a Pharisaic spirit and the sort of spirit that would say, well, you know, all these Americans that are unnuanced and can't put together two plus two equals four. I don't need to listen to them because they don't, they don't know the law. They're, they're not in the slot that I'm in. That, that, that is also a Pharisaical spirit to watch out for. Right. And another point to make about attending a, a wedding is that that the idea that you can be there without approving. I, I think about Romans one thirty two, where Paul has just given this litany of sins, and he says that those who do such things uh, know the righteous requirement of God. That those who uh, do such things are worthy of death. But he says they not only do them, but they give hearty approval to approval. those who do them. Now, lest somebody say, well, I'm just going to this uh, wedding. I'm not giving hearty approval. That verb there that's translated to give hearty approval is used one other time in the book of Acts. And it's used about the, well, the future apostle Paul, but then Saul, who is standing by holding the coats of those who are lynching, murdering, stoning yes. Stephen. Yes. And he doesn't throw a rock himself, but the text says he gave hearty approval to what they were doing. So he's standing there, he's a witness, he's not stopping them, and the text says he gave hearty approval. And then he later says, Paul says, that he was part of the killing of Christians. So yes. though he didn't throw a rock, or, or to, to use it in the situation we're talking about, he didn't pronounce the wedding vows or applaud when they, when they were pronounced... Husband and husband? 
But still, by your presence there, you're giving your presence and your silence and your complicity, you're giving hearty approval. And that is not obviously pleasing to God. And it doesn't exempt you. Say, well, I didn't actually do anything. Oh, but you were a you were a passive witness and your your presence said it. Amen. Amen and amen. Thank you, Dan. That's a great point. You know, this is not high level discernment. This is not this is just no, basic it's not. Christian doctrine with basic Christian application. This this shouldn't even be a a, a contra- This shouldn't be a, a hard decision. I guess is what I'm trying well, to say. And it, no, it shouldn't. This is not theological rocket science. This is no. not you know Turretin's elliptic theology. This is this is not that. And and when he says that, well, see, I just don't understand you. By the way, this goes back to my initial point about celebrity pastors and so forth. So he's been here 40 years and he doesn't understand Americans. He doesn't consider himself one of us. And yeah, he mainly, he mainly so basically, so basically, so I'm basically British, you know. And so Britain, okay, so what Britain are we talking about? Are we talking about Britain, the Puritans, who would make fundamentalists here look like liberals? Or are we talking about the, the British who deny the authorship of any of the books of the Bible by their authors and right. say creation doesn't matter and Genesis is a myth and uh, salvation is whatever you say it is and God is whoever you say she is. I mean, which Britain are we talking about? Right. Because uh, neither one of those um, backgrounds is yeah. really to the credit of this specific issue, which is... Uh, and and it, if it's not an issue uh, in England, well, then more pity them. I, I think it's probably just because right. they're they're you know they're a half a mile down the road uh, from yeah. where we are, and we'll get there too. Yeah, I, I know it's it's just it's so confusing. So in this one sermon, we've got situational ethics and apparently geographical ethics as well. <laughs> so, well, yes, in, in a touch, it sure seems to me, and I, I don't like to think this, but a, a touch of. Um, what do I want to say? Cultural superiority. I mean, did, what, was I alone in thinking? Basically, saying you Americans have no sense of nuance. You no, can't yeah. put two plus two together and make four. And I'm from a culture that is just, you know, so above that. I, I can't. And and this is something that I again I thought about celebrity culture over and over again. I, I don't know if you've heard me say this. I've said this very often that their stance is just towards people like you and me. Their stance is just, I'm sorry, I know you're saying something, but I can't hear you from way down there. Mm -hmm. I I know you've got your little concerns you're trying to get my attention on, but, you know, I'm just so far up here, and I'm not putting this on Alistair Begg, but I've thought it many times over the years. uh, And, I mean, to his credit, at least he responds. A great many of these people do these things, and people like you and me will will and and people who are you know better placed than we, better educated than we, with greater standing than we, perhaps voice objections, and they don't even don't even respond. It's like, I'm sorry, was there a sound there? Yeah. I didn't hear it. So at least at least he's responding. I'll give him that. But uh, but he's responding, and then he's saying, but, you know, I mean, your concerns, your little concerns with your, I'm sorry, you can't even add two plus two to equal four. And so yeah. I, I don't know what to say to you except, you know, I'm it done was, with this. It was very, very condescending, very condescending. I, I think he, I think he had to respond because this is, this has been such, I mean, I saw last night, even Fox News had a story about it, about Alistair. Yeah, this, that's, it's not the way I want to see Alistair Beggs on Fox News. No, I, I'd love to see I know, his name on I know. Fox News, but not for this. I know. 
I know. You so tell me he's going to be in one of these shows. I just say, oh, that's terrific. I know he'll speak of Christ. But now this is how he gets their attention. Now, see, this is why I want to say, I mean, I know, look, Justin, um, we haven't talked about this, but there are people who, you know, they, they see this and they go, got him. Mm-hmm. God, you know, there are people who are oh, yeah, sure. just oh, waiting yeah. for somebody who's orthodox to fall. And yep, they, they will write, they will write them off. I mean, that they were ready to write them off with that first response. Yep. Well, that's it. You know, I'm done. I'm done with him because he told that, that, uh, that, uh, information that Grammy. I mean, and then they might say, well, sure, I'll give you time to repent and think this over and time's up, you know, and, and, and that's basically wow. it. So this had the feeling of, I just, I wish that he had, I wish he had taken time. I wish he had had the, you know, you, you pick the adjective, but but had the quality of spirit to say, because obviously he was hurt. And obviously, and I, I can understand this. Obviously, he's going, you guys are coming at me like I'm a heretic. And look, I taught this about homosexuality. I taught this. I had lesbians walk out on me because I affirmed marriage at this one meeting. And all that's true. And I don't want to take one a dot of those things away mm-hmm. from him. Mm-hmm. But I wish that he could have said, you know, it just to be criticized in this way, I can tell it offends me. It hurts my feelings. It makes it very difficult for me to think clearly about it. I just want to defend myself. And that's not the best frame of mind to be in to think something like this through. So, you know, with your patience and your grace, I want to consult some people who I know will tell me the truth. I want to calm myself down. I want to listen and see if maybe I've missed something. Or I'm not seeing anything from the right angle. And I, for my part, I would have said, "You do that, brother. That is wisdom. Yeah. That is a, that is a great idea. Don't yeah. don't rush to the pulpit to defend yourself." And it feel it feels like that's exactly what he did. He rushed to the pulpit to defend himself. And yeah. it makes me feel terrible because I mean, he's a brother I've prayed for and prayed that he finished well. Yeah, I have. To. I still will. The, the yep. day's not over yet. Yep. I, I I mean, I love him. I he's. Yeah. Yeah. And, and neither one of us, yeah, to be clear, and I know this is your heart, neither one of us is saying he's not a brother. This is just, uh, this was a, a really bad, unforced error and, and, and really disappointing to see even after all the controversy for him to, to double, well, triple down. Yes. But he, is he even hearing it? Because his friends and his family are shielding him. Has he even seen, I mean, you know, I, I know not everybody's a Doug Wilson fan, but he wrote an article on it that would be helpful. Or Robert, I'm not sure how you said his name, Robert Gagnon, Robert Gagnon. Gagnon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's Gagnon or Gagnon. But, I mean, just many people, and, and even in the course of just a few tweets, any one of them would have put him to the issue. Okay, oh, so this is the issue. Okay, well, I need to think about that. Um yeah. But has he even heard them or has he been, has he been, um, sheltered from them? And this brings us back to my initial point, which is that yes, celebrity, celebrity pastorhood is not just not great for the church. It's not great for the celebrity pastor. It's a real peril. And if you're going to be in the position like that, you got to make sure that you have close friends who absolutely will call you out in no uncertain yeah, yeah. terms right. if if you take a, a foolish step, that they will love you enough and you listen to them. Yes, listen. Yep. This is, is what I often say. If people like Donald Trump, just to get into a totally different thing, I'll often say something like, apparently he has no grown-up friends who he'll listen to, <laughs> who will tell him not to do this or not to do that. And that's the thing. Yeah. You've got to have wise friends that you'll listen to. It's wisdom in a multitude of counselors.
Well, there you go. There you go. And and uh, uh, he who walks with wise men will be wise. Proverbs thirteen twenty and yeah. iron shop sharpens iron. And and um, David says, "Let the righteous smite me." And it's a kindness. I mean, yeah, 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 absolutely. There's wisdom there. There is. And uh, Dan, speaking of wisdom, uh, as we kind of close out here, I want to make people aware <laughs> of your two books, The World Tilting Gospel and God's Wisdom in Proverbs. And uh, those are both excellent books. I have read both of them and um, good resources. So I'll put links down below in the description there for folks. Good to. Night. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but Dan, thank you so much. And Dan, you're the pastor of Copperfield Bible Church in Houston, Texas. Down in Correct. Houston, Texas. Yes, because there are those. Right. There's a Houston, Mississippi, but you're in Houston. You're in the- <laughs> not to Houston, be confused. Houston, Texas. Yeah. Well, Dan, I've, I've known you for a number of years. I really appreciate you, your friendship. Um, I think you've probably heard me say before. I have a, I have a tremendous. I'm an evangelist. Um, I travel and I preach and teach, but I have a tremendous love and appreciation and respect for all of our faithful shepherds out there. And you're one of them. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. All right, Dan. Well, it's a joy to have you on, Dan. And uh, dear ones, I hope this has been helpful for you. Thank you so much for watching. Until our next time together, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with you all. Thank you for listening to Didache. We hope that you were encouraged and edified by what you just heard. If you have a question or comment for Justin, or interested in more teaching resources, or would like to have him come and preach at your church or conference, you may contact him at justinpeters.org.